You're listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, LM Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Anna Cutler, an artist from this year's Boulder International Film Festival and Sonic Guild Singer-Songwriter Showcase. I caught up with Anna while she house sat in South Boulder. We had a great conversation about her upcoming EP release show, the importance of a teacher that understands where you want to be as a musician, growing as a performer, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Anna Cutler. You are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I am here today with Anna Cutler. Welcome, welcome. Hi, hello. How are you? What have you been up to this week? I am very good. I'm staying in a beautiful house. I'm dog sitting and I'm working on my final album art for my very first EP release. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. I'm very excited. What's it been like making your first EP? What's the process been like for you? It's been interesting. I originally wanted to do it with like as little budget, zero budget, if that's even possible. And so I started off by doing my piano recordings all at home and my piano hooks into a MIDI controller. So that's not too big of a deal. We got really great piano recordings and then we went up to Keystone to record the vocals in this condo. Um, luckily the night before got eight inches of snow and so everything was like really pillowed and like there was no, um, sound outside of the condo. And then we realized that my friend and I, we had the gain turned up too high or down too low or something. We were just learning how to do it. And so, um, we had to throw away the audio recordings and then we re-recorded the audio somewhere else and there was the hum of the highway and then we recorded audio somewhere else and there was the sound of the dog and um, we ended up having to cut all the audio so then we ended up having to go into a studio which is probably for the best and then I started working with the guys over at Animal Lane and that was awesome so basically all that's to say it's been a big learning experience and there have been a lot of people involved and it has not been zero budget but it has been low budget and I'm just honored to work with the people I've been working with. That's so funny. It's like, I feel like that's kind of the the way of the studio. Like, even if you go even just straight to a studio, I was just talking to Desiree Gold and she was like, you know, I went back and then listened and it wasn't what I wanted and then went back, listened and it wasn't quite right. So it's smart to get the kinks out in the no budget zone before you actually get there. Yeah. Have the songs changed at all for you from when you started to now? Um, Not drastically. I got cello on two of the tracks, which is super cool because I am definitely a solo artist. So this is the first time I've ever heard my music with other instruments and it's only cello. It's not like fully produced at all, but it sounds amazing. And then um, my friend Josie, who's acting in as my manager as well, she, she has quite an ear for my songs and there's two songs that she's been like, oh, I think every single time I hear you sing the song, I always think you're going to like hit the keys kind of staccato and surprise the audience, but you never do it. And I think you should. And so I take her advice to heart and I definitely did it on a couple of my tracks. That's exciting. What's it like kind of going from solo to 
band do you think you'll do more of that in the future playing live shows oh I would love to I don't know I am very busy I work full-time as well as have like friends and family to always be socializing with so music is really a hobby and I would love to have the time to practice with the band but I just don't know it's a big commitment yeah I don't know if it's in my cards at least like not for right now I would love to like take a year off of work and like try that you know for I don't know six months or a year but right now no (laughs) (laughs) what is the history of your musical journey how'd you start playing and kind of evolved to where you are now making it an EP yeah so I started playing piano when I was six and I started with Suzuki which is like classical piano I think for a six-year-old it's very much not very fun and I think I stuck with that teacher for two years or something I hated it like I have I have old Suzuki books where I'm like crossing out all my music and my mom was like I don't think you hate piano I think you hate your teacher hate is a strong word (laughs) six-year-old hate (laughs) sorry if you're listening to this (laughs) um so we found a teacher who catered better to kids and she was the first teacher that taught me how to sing and play at the same time. She showed me the chords of In the Jungle and then let me sing on top of it and I remember that day like it was yesterday, like it was such an inspiring moment for me. And then um, I kind of graduated after a couple years with her. She didn't have the skill to teach any higher and so she referred me to this guy named David who I swear I owe my entire (laughs) career to because he had me through, I think, some of middle school and all of high school. And he was a songwriter. And my parents were really trying to push this idea of, like, you have to learn theory. You have to learn how to read music. And I was just pushing against it so hard. And I, I was like, like, I'll do it a little bit to please you, but... I'm I want to write my own songs like I'd been writing my own songs before and David was the first person to like recognize like oh you actually know how to write songs and I'm gonna mentor you through that so our lessons I swear were like probably 15 minutes of like okay see I did my homework here's like some classical whatever and then here's 45 minutes of me showing you what I worked on the last week which was absolutely not the homework that I had but it was oh, this story about this fake romance that, you know, Taylor Swift inspired. And can you, like, mentor me? Can you show me, like, chords that would work better in this section? And, I mean, he taught me how to accompany myself as a songwriter on the piano, which is a hard thing to teach. Like, you can't just go to YouTube and be like, how do you how do you accompany vocals? I mean, maybe you can now, but you couldn't then. And then, so David really helped me a bunch, and then... I played through college, but it was kind of on the back burner, and I didn't really get re-inspired to really do music more, like, professionally, I guess, till like, a year and a half ago, I moved back to Boulder, and I was like, I feel like there's this piece of me that's been missing for the last couple years that I've been in Idaho for college, and it was music, and I just kind of dove into it, and here we are, and I'm so happy. That's such a gift to have somebody that sees that in you and opens that door. I mean, it's 
how many of us probably like played piano or you know like I did guitar lessons and same thing I was like this sucks I hate it yeah and then of course (laughs) years later came back and was like no it's actually like a huge part of who I am I should have stuck with it so that's great for them to find somebody to fit better was your family musical growing up like did you guys listen to a lot of different music yeah so my mom's side of the family is not (laughs) I have I I used to think that like everybody could sing because I could sing and I had a very like shallow perspective of the world until I heard my sister one time sing and I was like are you trying to sing right now and she's like yeah and I was like oh you should probably stop (laughs) that's not good so my mom and my sister not musical at all they have plenty of other talents that I don't um my dad's side of the family is very musical my great great grandmother who I never had the pleasure of meeting grandma huddy is what they call her she played piano in the silent movies back in the day so she was like a big ragtime pianist and that's so cool yeah professional and then my dad he's one of seven and they all basically play some instrument very inspired by like the grateful dead but my dad you know, played me guitar lullabies to sleep every night when I was a kid. And um, we listened to a bunch of like Neil Young and Nora Jones in the house growing up. And also I should mention, I grew up Jewish. And so I went to synagogue um, every week up until I was 13. And that's coming from my mom's side, um, Judaism is. And my a lot of my songs are in really like dark minor keys and I was like where is this coming from and I'm pretty sure I can relate it back to the Hebrew prayers that we sing at synagogue every week wow that's so cool it is cool it's cool to have that realization because like religion never really hit me as something that I wanted to explore more but it's cool to like that is something you know of my ancestry and those are my roots and then they show in a different way absolutely yeah I have to say I was I saw you perform at the Boulder International Film Festival singer-songwriter showcase and watching your family watch you play was like so sweet and so touching they just I mean the pride on your dad's face like really was like just something you couldn't miss so that's so cool to have that support and keep those ties and honor that lineage of even from the Grateful Dead on. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's something we, my dad and I also share, like I was over at his house the other day and he's like, Anna, like come sing a song with me. And I'm like, I got Like, I got to go, dad, I love you. But um, it is special. How has your performance style changed from your first show? I guess your first show is at 13. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, in Boulder, I I was very determined as a child. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to be a musician. I like came home one day and I was like, I'm going to play a gig and my parents were like, "Okay." And I was like, "You want to you want to help?" And they're like, "If you want to play a gig, you can book it yourself. You can figure it out." They did not offer me any assistance, but I'm grateful for it because like they that taught me independence. But I played my first show at the age of 13 at the Rock and Soul Cafe, which is no longer in Boulder, but it 
it was. And I remember I booked it with this other artist and she was from Fort Collins, I think. Um, we were both probably, she was probably a couple years older than me, but we were both quite young. And she didn't draw a crowd because she's from Fort Collins. Like that's kind of a far drive. And I remember we made $185 from the cover charge, which was like the coolest thing in the world. The first time I ever made money playing music. But instead of being like root, I don't know, like prissy, I don't even know the right word and saying like, you didn't bring anybody. Um, I get all the money. I'm like very much a split the bill in half type of girl. So she walked away with half of it. I walked away with half of it. So I made like a good chunk of I change. I mean, yeah, for, for 13, that's still nothing to scoff at. <laughs> exactly. But that was the first paying gig I had and the last paying gig I had until 2020. <laughs> wow. And so what was the your first gig back as an adult? Well, so I took some time off of performing, I guess. Well, I, so after high school, I did two years, I took a two-year gap year and I traveled with a group called Up With People. They're like a performance group. So I performed for that for one like straight year. And then after that, I went straight to college and I didn't do any performing until probably my junior or senior year. I didn't even have my piano at school for freshman and sophomore year, which blows my mind because I play piano every day now, but it just shows like life just as it comes and goes and waves and your interests change. And um, I must have been busy like being a freshman or sophomore in college and doing the things you do when you're a freshman <laughs> or sophomore in college. Um, but it was an open mic junior year at this little tiny coffee shop that I love so much called One World and I just had like four of my friends there and I played three songs and that was it it was awesome and then I had my first like big paying gig I moved to Boise after um, COVID or the scary part of COVID and um, I played at a brewery and it was like they're they're paying me like good money and I was like what I can do this and make money and like that's amazing so cool and what has been the process making the show for your EP release been like like the release party yeah well (laughs) I procrastinated I'll tell you that fair (laughs) I didn't secure a date till like yesterday or the day before but I am so excited I was gonna book it at like a traditional traditional music venue I was actually speaking to Velvet Elk to do it there and I mean everybody just has their structure every venue has their structure and like they wanted I mean their time slot for music is 9 to eleven thirty p.m and like my fans are a lot of old people and <laughs> people my age and most I mean I love to be in bed by like 10 30 you know so I was like I'm trying to think out of the box where can we go what can we do and I was like oh maybe we could just do like an out like a backyard concert and I was like I'm not sure I want to subject my parents to using their backyard with a bunch of strangers and I remembered last year 4th of July I played a backyard concert at my friend's house and there were these random people there that had like a connection of a connection and they were artists and they were living at this place called the Oakley Art House which is off of South Boulder Road and it is 
a super cool program. It's like a one-year residency. There's four artists that live in the house and it's just like affordable housing for people coming to Boulder that are trying to pursue art. And it's on this farm property. I'm not even really sure, but it's it's magical. I went and visited the site on Saturday and it's this bright green pasture and you can see all of the mountains and it's going to be so perfect. It's going to be like a suggested donation. I don't want anybody to not be able to come. And I get to play with two friends that are going to like open up the show for me. And then um, the cellist is also going to join me on a couple songs. And I just, yeah, we're going to provide free ice cream sandwiches. I just want it to be a super fun party and I want everyone to just have a really good night. That sounds like a blast. You had me at free ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> like, yes. Ice cream sandwiches and music, sold. Like, right. that's a party. That's perfect. That's a summertime night. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> I know with the, the season we've been having, it's hard to say, but knock on wood. How do you navigate self-promotion as an independent artist? That is probably the hardest part of being an artist. I... I originally, I mean, music is my hobby, so I don't rely on it to put food on my dinner plate, and that's that's good, and it's a good reminder, but um, I used to really hate the thought of self-promoting, like, doing shows where I don't know a lot of the audience, like, I used to hate saying, like, please follow me on Instagram, because it just felt shallow, it's like, oh, she's just here for the numbers, but in reality, if you don't have the numbers, you can't book shows, like, I have less than the than a thousand followers on Instagram and bookers like I assume bookers look at that and they laugh you know and so (laughs) hopefully not laugh but (laughs) maybe flip through to somebody I mean yeah when you're yeah it's like 14k exactly 800 900 so I think that I think it's really hard and um I mostly am just using my Instagram as my like biggest platform to reach people and so I just try really hard to get people to follow it and at this point I have this whole spiel about like it's about (laughs) booking bigger shows and I'm sorry I wouldn't ask but if you hate it you just put me on mute don't unfollow me and uh, people respond well to it (laughs) I mean it's part of our lives now that's how so many people get out there like it's it's nice and also hard that it has kind of transitioned from that shallow thing into like you need it yeah to survive as an artist yeah I now for this album release that I'm doing I am learning how to reach out to like KGNU or the Daily Camera and to and use those platforms to promote my show so I might use that in the future now that I know how to it's actually really easy what is the process like um so I literally just discovered this two days ago so I could be speaking wrong but to listen (laughs) um you google like daily camera events and then they have a page and then on the left side there's like promote your event or something and you fill out a little poll that says like what is your event and is there artwork for your event and time and date and website to the link and then you submit it and I think then they on their end get to choose whether they're going to promote it or not I can't see why they wouldn't, but we'll find out. Well, that's great. Hopefully you can see upcoming events and a Cutler EP release party and go get a free ice cream sandwich. 
the daily camera is smart that I think that would please their audience. I bought a beanie at your showcase and it's truly one of my favorite things in the world that I've ever bought, like piece of merch. Where did the design come from? Because I've had multiple people stop me and be like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like it's for those of you who don't know, it's a skeleton girl in a hot tub and it's just like the cutest, weirdest little drawing where, yeah, where did the, the idea come from and how did you get that kind of made? I love this question. Um, so that's Skelly. She's actually me. It was so funny. I was doing a Friendsgiving with all my friends up at Winter Park and we were staying in this little cabin and there was a hot tub downstairs, very classic Winter Park um, ski getaway. And my friends and I, there was a guitar and we were just like spitting words. These aren't necessarily my musician friends, but it's just one of our favorite thing to do. Favorite things to do is just make up funny stories and songs. And I look over and one of my friends, Zach, is just, he's going at it. And he was saying, um, blah, 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 skeleton in the hot tub. And I stopped him. I was like, what? are you talking about? And he's like, I don't know, like a skeleton in a hot tub. And I was like, that's the most ingenious thing anyone has ever said. And I was like, can I, can I have that? That's like pretty cool. And he's like, sure. And I was like, I need to write a song about it. So I went home the next day. I wrote the entire song. It's called skeleton in the hot tub. And I called him and I was like, Zach, is it cool if I use your song as like the entire face of my music and he was like absolutely go ahead and I was like okay I'm going I'm gonna make merch I'm gonna get t-shirts and beanies and tote bags and whatever you can think of and I just think it's funny I love funny things that don't really make any sense because I feel like I'm a funny thing that doesn't really make any sense um my album art for this EP I'm releasing I have no idea. Well, I kind of have an idea why it is what it is, but I just feel very drawn to fish right now. And I was like, it has to be a fish. And Josie, who's designing it, was like, why? And I was like, well, I mean, we could we could make a metaphor out of it, and we have made a metaphor out of it. Um, but honestly, I'm just feeling really drawn to fish right now. <laughs> Gut instinct. That's all you need. It's fish. Exactly. My keyboard is named fish. Oh, okay. There so, you go. If we're getting like... If you need a meaning. Yeah, if you need a meaning, like it's like the fish in the dark and it's like what I do after work. It's like me and the fish. Yeah. What has kept you playing music here in Colorado? I mean, besides your job and maybe your life here, uh, why not LA, New York, full-time musicianship? Where, where are you at on Colorado? I probably owe that to my mother. She's like, do not quit your day job, (laughs) (laughs) which I appreciate, I guess. Um, I really want music to be a hobby. And I think the minute that you put that pressure on it to be a profession, it's like it ruins its magic. And so I think for right now, unless some big shot was like, I'm going to give you, I don't know, $5 million? Maybe I'm (laughs) lowballing myself. $10 million? And I want you to relocate and just, like, songwrite and produce and be a superstar? I'd be like, yeah. But I think that being a musician is really hard work. And if it's going to be hard work, I want it to be a hobby. I don't want it to be a job. 
That's fair. That's really interesting. It's like you lose some of the joy that you have from it. Maybe if you have to like eat and pay your rent and all the other things that full-time musicians have to focus on. Exactly. And then it's like, oh, I have like to survive. I have to be playing five nights a week or whatnot. And I don't know. There's some joy in just being like, I want to do one show this month I want to do three shows this month I want to do three shows this week (laughs) if I'm really feeling it I want to deep dive and when I'm not feeling it I want to have this space to back away and not have to rely on it do you think having that space lets you be more creative or have that kind of creative universal energy come easier than if you were forcing it I guess yeah 100%. And with that said, like, no one is telling me like, you have to play these five songs, you you have to play your hits. It's like, I, I want to play exactly what I'm feeling. And if that means I'm playing the song I wrote yesterday, and it's not perfect. That's the song I'm playing. I love that. That's pretty badass. (laughs) I love it too. (laughs) What has been your biggest struggle and your biggest triumph in your music hobby so far? I think my biggest struggle is vocal health. I have a very raspy tone in my voice and like in my speaking voice, I even have a lot of like vocal fry. And when I first moved back to Colorado, I was doing a lot of two hour gigs and my voice just couldn't handle it. And so I like went to the doctor to try to see if I had nodes or something. And they're like, no, you just (laughs) speak and sing not properly which is fair I I've fired every (laughs) vocal coach I've ever had because they tell me to sing different because it's healthier and I'm like meh (laughs) I don't like that so that's been I've I've been able to find a lot of shows that just book me for smaller sets which is kind of nice and eventually like my voice does get strong enough to do that but it is a challenge and it's something I think about like every single day yes triumph hmm this is like not a real, I can't really think of a, a very good one, but I will say when I was traveling with that performance group for the first six months, they wouldn't give me a solo because my face looked bad when I sang, which what? feels silly, but like if you think about it and now you might notice it more if you go to like a show and there's someone that's singing and they look constipated or they look like really angry when they close their eyes and sing it's like you almost don't want to look at them because it it's like oh you're singing about like love why do you look so uncomfortable so I actually wasn't given a solo for six months because I had to learn how to express the song through my face rather than just the words and just the delivery and then It was very exciting because after many sessions of me singing to myself in a mirror or singing with my friends, like judging my face, they would literally like throw things at me and be like, start over. You made the constipation face. But after months of that, I finally corrected that. And (laughs) that's exciting. (laughs) I did not see a constipation face at the show, singer songwriter showcase. So I think it's stuck. Yes, I love I love to hear that. How many songs does your EP have on it? And are you going to do singles? What's your release plan? So the song has five or the EP has five songs. I was just going to dump them out. I have no 
I have no EP release plan. It's really, you know, it's my first time. So I'm just like learning. I'm sure there's reasons why people do it. And probably part of it is to tell a story. Probably part of it is to get more streams. I'm just kind of crossing my fingers that I release it. And then Spotify picks up a song um, for one of their playlists. And, and if not, I don't actually really care all that much. The biggest incentive um, for me to record this EP was, well, two. One, everyone asks me all the time to do it. And I was like, if I don't do it for myself, I do it for the fans. But two, without being on Spotify, it's really hard to book shows. So I want, I don't want that to be a limiting factor um, for me to book the venues that I want to book and play with the people I want to play with. So in a sense, I'm conforming, but I feel like that's, that's part of this industry. <laughs> just a little bit. Just playing ball. Yeah. Not, not conforming, but just playing the game. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just in the game. In the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm that girl that you can only see live. And I was like, I'm just going to lean into that, you know, because I don't have recordings and it just wasn't working. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm that girl that you can also listen to on Spotify and see live. (laughs) That's awesome. It's like sparse shows. Maybe the shows are now the draws. Like you can only see the shows in a very special time and place yeah you can always listen to music i've completely flipped (laughs) this thing around rebranding rebrand how has your experience been like with sonic guild how did you hear about them and how has it helped you so far so sonic guild is pretty new to me i actually got booked for the um, songwriting showcase as part of boulder international film festival through Roots Music Project. So I'm kind of associated with Roots Music because I do this songwriting circle there um, every month. And the person that was in charge of the songwriting circle was asked to put forth somebody to be part of the showcase. And so I was selected, which is super awesome. And that's how I kind of got involved with Boulder International Film Fest. And then I found out about Sonic Guild through that and I got to meet a couple of the Sonic Guild artists and was so inspired and I am really excited to see now that Sonic Guild is on my radar to like be more involved and I self-nominated to be a (laughs) grantee for the next season so hopefully that goes well if you're listening and you (laughs) want to nominate me as well to be a grantee you can do that I give you my permission (laughs) but I think what Sonic Guild is doing basically just supporting local art and not even just supporting it but like highlighting it and building it up and like giving people the resources to do the thing that they love to do I think that's incredible and there's like there's no catch it's just like here here here's some resources and you get to like make your art more beautiful than it already is. I love that. And I hope that you do get a grant. I've heard, <laughs> I've talked to a couple grant winners and it's pretty sweet to have the resources to make a, another record or go on tour or yeah. buy a piano. I mean, who the, the sky's the limit if you want to be creative with it. So if anybody else out there is wondering, check out this, the links in our show notes. You can be a part of it too. That's what we're about. Do you have any advice to artists just starting out? Oh, that is a heavy question. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah, that puts a lot of spotlight on me. Or things to avoid or uh, places to check out for open mics. 
I really think it's so important to just follow your music, which might sound cliche or generic, but there is so much pressure in the industry to be top 40 or to be, I don't know, Taylor Swift, I don't know, to be, to write your songs in verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, structures, you know? And I think that's not what it's about. I think that this is like a platform to be creative. And the minute that you can like let go of other people's expectations of yourself and of your music, your creativity is going to soar. And I recently had this experience where I just was like, you know, maybe maybe I follow the vibe of this song rather than like what society has told me a song structure is supposed to be like. And I have written so many songs in the last year that I love and I can't stop writing music, which is incredible. Knock on wood, by the way, but that's like incredible. Like people go through serious bouts of song, um, of writer's block. And I, I went, I think I didn't write a song for like two or three years once, which is crazy. But the minute you can like put everything aside and follow one vibe of your music, I think you're bound for just amazing creativity to just bubble up inside of you and burst. Okay, great advice for not having prepared anything. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's so totally true. You access it and don't say no to what comes up just because it's not a Taylor Swift song or yeah, whatever. I also think that like as much as money gets in the way and and is a motivator for things I have found that every time I say yes to playing a show it brings about another opportunity and sometimes the another opportunity is a zero pay um, background music at a silent auction but then that will bring about another opportunity that might be a $300 30 minute set which will bring about another opportunity. So I just think that like, obviously you have to set boundaries and you have to tell people what you're worth, but also every opportunity, someone is going to be listening and someone is going to be inspired. And even if you're not getting another opportunity through it, you are making somebody's day. Anna, thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation. And when is the EP release party? When can people, where can people go find out how to be a part of it? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> and I'm also so glad I just finalized my dates and my times. The EP release party will be May 20th at 6 p.m. at the Oakley Art House. And you can find more information at my website, which is annacutlermusic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, like I said <laughs> before. It's just Anna Cutler Music. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for your time. That's us tuning out. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Check out the links in our show notes to experience Anna Cutler's music and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado. Colorado.